0: The Rad the Broadcast. The Rad Broadcast. The Rad Broadcast. Okay. Now you're ready? I think I'm ready now. Okay. How's it going? Uh, it's going. Oh, <laughs> are, you, are you just ready for the holidays to be over already, even though Thanksgiving hasn't happened at the time of this um. recording?
1: And no, I'm looking forward to Thanksgiving. We had to kind of rearrange our plans, so that kind of sucks.
0: So you're not going out of town?
1: Um, we are going out of town, but just for the day, and then we're coming back. Oh, we're, bummer. We're, so you can't
0: do that whole thing where then, you're going to go to the dive yeah, bar. And... Yeah,
1: we can't do that whole oh, thing. That's a bummer. Um, but no, I my I'm do I've been doing knee rehab with my physical trainer and um I worked out really hard with her yesterday and Giggity. so I, my body is just. I'm just feeling so old.
0: <laughs> so, is this a knee injury from your roller derby years? Yes, really? Yeah. How long have you been dealing with it?
1: Um. Well, when did I get it? 2013, maybe. I can't remember what season it was that I got it. Um. With, but it was like I, around 2013, mm-hmm. and then uh, I did physical. T- um, like PT, like with an actual doctor, but then I just rolled through it and just went back and started right back on Thriller Derby. Didn't do my like rehab work, started training for a marathon or That's one of the best things you
0: can do on an injured knee is train for a marathon.
1: Yeah. So right. I just, yeah, I just ignored the injury hmm. because, uh, that's the way I was raised.
0: <laughs> I Shrub some dirt on it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah so, um. Yeah, so I just am feeling very old and, oh, like, crickety.
0: I've noticed you've been kind of like, old lady. Yeah. and through the studios. Yeah. You need a walker. Yeah. With those uh, <laughs> tennis balls on the bottom of it.
1: Well, I told Rob, I'm like, if you if you smell Ben Gay, it's me. Because <laughs> I, I put one of those um, Sol Imposses patches or whatever those
0: things smell so good (laughs) those are addicting to smell (laughs)
1: yeah so i have one uh, on the my knee today
0: Mm, okay i get a hint of it now yeah (laughs) okay Mm. (laughs) not the normal stink (laughs) no thank god um well i hope your knee gets better
1: oh yeah no it will and it's getting stronger but it's like things are moving back to where they need to be so they don't want to go back there Mm. they want to stay where they've been and so I'm, like, having to retrain the muscles around, the, you know, the bones and the ligaments. Now, is this all
0: with the same person you're training with at Dig In? Is yeah. Is it called Dig In Fitness?
1: Dig, Dig In Wellness. Dig In Mo- Wellness. Molly at Dig In Wellness. Yeah. She, um, I go and see her twice a week. Cool. And then she has homework for me. So that's why I was in the gym here that we have at the studio I've brought in a foam roller and um, some resistance bands and a ball, like one of those yoga ball things. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I was doing before we started recording. is just she gives me homework. Oh, cool! And um, I told her that my leg was angry today, and she's like, "Just roll it out and yeah. do this stuff."
0: It's the best thing you can do, yeah, just just keep moving it around. And
1: yeah, she's like, "Get blood to the area, yeah.
0: getting that rust off."
1: Yeah, but it's. Whew.
0: I gotta, I, I'm thinking I might have to have my buddy Michael on who's a, also like a personal trainer yeah he's uh, he's a survivor of brain cancer
1: oh my goodness yeah he
0: um not too long ago I think it was about almost two years ago now um he had a, a, a mass removed from his brain oh my goodness like the size of a, of a golf ball. And yeah, he didn't so know scary. he didn't know he had it for years. And
1: he didn't have any headaches or anything.
0: the The reason why they found it was the the way they found it was when he went to get his eyes checked. And oh, the, op- the optometrist was like, uh, "You might want to go get a CAT scan today, because <laughs> I guess there is some indicator when the optometrists look at your eyes. Mm-hmm. Like I guess the eyes are not just the window to the soul. Like you can see, you, you could tell a lot." that's wrong with a person based on their eyes. It's like, a apparently it's, it, there's something in, in the chemistry within your eyes or the science behind them that will indicate whether or not you're well. Um, and sure enough, the, the optometrist was right. And he had a big cancer, cancerous tumor in his head. Oh my God. He's cancer free now. Um, yeah. thank God he, he, he had just had his kid too which oh. it was very devastating situation oh, surrounding it and i didn't i didn't know until he like was on the table literally oh wow um but he's he's totally well now but he's also a physical trainer and he 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 might have some really good tips for you and for the audience about um about taking care of your body that cuz there's a, there's a whole stigma in the fitness world that that makes it that makes you think that you need to be a crossfit you need to you need to go hard all the time mm-hmm. and and push your body to the limits mm-hmm. when that's that's not necessarily the best thing for your body like it's super unhealthy to be oh yeah a nut job crossfitter that puts your body through so much trauma um that it's going to do more harm than good and then, like he he has this whole technique um that avoids in, uh, injury during workouts and stuff mm. it might be interesting it might be totally boring but um dude's really cool and i, I think it would be fun to have that'd on the, be cool on the broadcast. Yeah. Um, we're also talking about having my wife on we're yeah. talking about um, having some other people on so we're gonna have to look at our schedules and maybe plan ahead yeah yeah.
1: yeah i think that that will be really fun yeah
0: well, best to your knee, and <laughs> by the time that the folks w- will be listening to this podcast, I hope you all had a great Thanksgiving, Yes, and that all your turkeys turned out well with the red turkey brine.
1: Hell yeah, I, the, at the Brina Palooza, I think also that's probably what, standing all day. I mean, we stood oh, all day.
0: Yeah, 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 my back was hurt. We're recording this on a, on the Tuesday after Yeah, the Brina Palooza, and yesterday, Monday, my back was still hurting.
1: Yeah, so see we're just getting old.
0: Maybe <laughs> like, that's it or maybe we're just all so out of shape. Yes. Combination of the two. Yes. Um but yeah, that that was a lot of standing and I yeah. think it was also because I was wearing <clears throat> some boots that don't normally, you know, they're not the most cushiest type of boots.
1: Yeah, I was wearing boots no. too. Yeah. So. What do you well, do? Eh.
0: We looked good though. Yeah, we, Damn we did. It. That and was, it was the fun. Reason. Yeah, it was so much fun. I the, see there's always so much stress that leads up to those things cuz I'm such a perfectionist and I want to make sure that everything goes smoothly and that mm-hmm. we could just show up and just do the job. So there's always so much anxiety leading up to live oh, yeah. events, even if it's something that is silly mm-hmm. as us hanging out at a at a food establishment and meeting people. Mm-hmm. Once we're in it, obviously it's all good and it's smooth and you know we're just having fun meeting everybody. But yeah. leading up to it, it's like, oh, what if what if something goes on? What's what if it rains? What if exactly? You know, fortunately, it went off without a hitch and the weather was beautiful. It was because it didn't so even fun.
1: really rain when we were out. Not at all. Uh, last year, 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 before last year,
0: it was torrential downpour. And I
1: couldn't believe that there were people standing mm-hmm. out there. And it was so nice of them. Uh, it Was Home Depot that gave mm-hmm. the um, umbrellas to people? This I can't believe that yeah. they'd stand in the rain for
0: us. That was super nice. And, you know, thanks to Smoke Junction for being amazing and Longhorn Meat Company for being amazing yeah. and uh, having us out. That was a lot of fun. So I have a bunch of prod mail that yeah. I have to get through before we go on our big th- uh, Thanksgiving break. So I thought I'd get through the rest of these letters that I've been holding on to. Okay. So let's do this. This one is from Chris. He says, my name is Chris. We
1: know Chris. Chris.
0: And since both Brandon and Amanda are successful in my eyes, I wanted to know what was the deciding factor that made you want to make the life choice towards this career, being in radio. I currently work in the service industry, not using my degree, and I'm at the edge of, a, of starting a marketing company, but I am deathly afraid of failing. My wife fully supports me, but still, I have so many questions and am nervous as hell. I know Amanda kind of Amanda kind made a dramatic change in career. Maybe Amanda, kind of, and hope that any insight into the moment you decided, quote unquote, fuck this corporate shit or what made you realize you were headed in the right direction. Thank you for any help. Oh, (laughs) Um, so you have mentioned that you've come from corporate America. Yes. um, And that you made the decision to be in radio. Uh, Let's let's maybe go back a little bit and explain to Chris how you got your start. And then I'll
1: wait. Yeah. So I worked, um, I worked right out of high school. I worked for an apartment, um, com- like an apartment management, like as a, you know, leasing consultant. Right.
0: Um, so when people wanted to come in and rent their apartments, they they'd go to see you and you would give them the tours and all yeah, that.
1: Yeah, I give them the tours and fill out the applications and do the credit checks and you know, put in the maintenance requests and all that kind of just bullshit. But that's what I did right out of um, high school. And I got a discount on an apartment. So I was able to move out the week that I graduated. Nice. Yeah. Um, but it just so happened that it happened to be right across the street from the big AT&T building on Watt Avenue oh, okay. in Sacramento. So a lot of the people, the old there was like a lot of older people that worked at a t and t that lived in the apartment, so all they had to do was walk across the street and so the hiring guy he was like, "You should take the test to get into just to see if you can get in into the company because there's gonna be a huge hiring huge. <laughs> yeah so um that's what I did, and I ended up getting the job and it ended up you know paying very well eventually once you stay there for a while um but after I had a horrible, horrible breakup, um, I was about 27, I think. I had to be around 27 that I had the breakup. So this was almost 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, had a really bad breakup. And just my, all my family had moved out to Oklahoma without me. Uh, so sure. I, I was like, well, maybe since the headquarters for the and t is in Dallas, I can transfer there, and then it's only a three-hour drive to my family.
0: A three-hour drive. Yeah.
1: So um, it took a really long time to get the transfer because there's a lot of union involvement and blah, 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 and you're going from, like, one place to another, I don't know, fucking contract shit. So, wait, you're
0: telling me that AT&T made even working for them complicated (laughs) and difficult (laughs) and hard to deal with? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. But
1: anyways, I finally, I jumped through all the hoops and I got out to um, the Uverse Dispatch Center in uh, Dallas. And I worked there for almost a year. I worked, my whole AT&T career was like mm, almost 10 years. Um, but I was living in Dallas by myself. I didn't really know anybody and I worked the swing shift because I wanted the night differential so I could make more money so I was working 3 to midnight or something like that so I I didn't have really a lot of time to know anybody other than the people in my like work environment mm-hmm. and I just didn't like it out there I didn't like Texas the weather was crazy um I don't know I don't know what it was I just fucking hated it just wasn't
0: your wasn't your stomping ground
1: well yeah and i missed roller derby and i missed Mm -hmm. my friends that had become like family to me and i wasn't able to see my fam my actual family as much as i thought i was i thought i was going to be able to go up there like you know every other weekend or whatever but a lot of times i'd have to work overtime and all this bullshit so i just i asked if i could transfer back to california from Texas with at t because my office was still open and they still had people in California, which they're slowly, slowly, slowly getting rid of all the people in California. Um, but so I asked if I could transfer back and they said no. So I was just like, fuck it. Yeah. If I'm going to be miserable here, I might as well go back to Sacramento and at least all my friends and shit, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. But I had no plan. I had absolutely no fucking plan. But I had talked to former producer Christy before I came out here. And she was working a second job at uh, Cost Plus World Market and got me an interview the week that I moved back. At World Market? Yep. Cool. So I worked at World Market. I then got another job being, and I had never worked in the food industry before. I was a waitress at the Limelight uh-huh, downtown. Um or Eastac, whatever you want to say. So um, I had that job. I had, so I was a server. I worked at Cost Plus, and then I also was kind of like a barista cashier at Bella Brew, which is like a local kind of cafe. Yeah,
0: I love Bella Brew. Yeah. Good stuff.
1: Yeah. Um, And then from there, I just, I kept talking to people, kept talking to people, and I got in with Sprint. And once I got to Sprint,
0: Um, I, that's
1: when I got pregnant.
0: Oh, (laughs) so So you had to hang up your, your telecommunications job.
1: Kind of. Yeah. We, the plan was that I was going to stay home with the kids because the old man had a really good job at the Mm -hmm. time. So I was going to stay home, blah, blah, blah. You know, it it was going to be totally chill. But then the, um, real estate market went down uh, and crashed and, uh, he lost his job. So it was really fucked mm. for, the, for it was a long a time. Dark, dark time for a lot of people. Yeah. Actually. We mm. cashed our 401ks and like, we naively thought that he was going to be able to get a job like quickly, Yeah, you know, but that didn't happen to him. It took him a really long time to get a job. And then it just so happened that Christy asked me if uh, I would want to answer the phones, you know, one day a week. So, mm-hmm. so that's how yeah, I, it got me here. Um, and then it's just, there's been opportunities that have made themselves apparent that I've taken Mm -hmm. you know,
0: I've wanted to be a part of. So for the letter writer saying that you, it sounds like that you, he he thinks that you said, fuck you corporate America, I'm going to go work in radio, whereas it the reality is you kind of were just making ends meet and then the opportunity just kind of presented itself to you.
1: Um, The opportunity didn't present itself to my. I made the decision. I said, fuck this. I'm not going to live in Texas anymore. And if they're not going to let me move, if they're not going to let me transfer back, I'll find my own way. And Mm -hmm. I'll, you know, I've always been just, you know, driven like that mm-hmm. and where and that where I was working three jobs when I came back and rent you know, renting a room from somebody and just kind of I had no plan, literally mm-hmm. no plan and just said, fuck it. I'm not going to be miserable. Life's too short. And I was still, you know, under 30. So I figured, you know, something will pan out. Yeah. And so it's kind of.
0: So it, you took that jump and yeah. you, you made that conscious decision that said, you know what? I'm not going to stand for this type of treatment in corporate America. If if I if I'm, if I'm going to choose my happiness over a job that, you know, that that that's leading me nowhere, yeah, I'm going to take that risk.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and so I just jumped. Um and yeah,
0: it it was just crazy. I just said, "Fuck it." Yeah, and I think that's kind of the same road that I took, except I was fortunate enough that I got into the radio business like pretty much right out of high school. And I w- it wasn't like my intention to be the producer of the morning radio show. Yeah. My intention was just to do whatever it took to to be a part of that industry. You mm-hmm. know, it wasn't I, – I didn't think I want to host a show. I didn't think I wanted to be – I, I knew I wanted to be behind the scenes. I knew mm-hmm. I wanted to be a part of it. So once I got my foot in the door as an intern right out of high school – over 10 years ago 2004 <laughs> is when I graduated so oh, okay. I got the job later that year um so I've been doing this
1: 2004 you graduated yeah I graduated in 1999
0: yeah that that 99. was that was my eight, eighth grade year okay yeah I was going in you know seventh to eighth grade from yeah <laughs> um so you know I, I I was able to just kind of Put everything aside. I didn't have any responsibilities mm-hmm. other than you know my goal and my focus in a career. Mm-hmm. I even dropped out of community college once I got the job because all I basically all I went to community college for was to say I was going to school and mm-hmm. I was starting whatever road I wanted to start in, yeah. in any career because I didn't have any idea what I wanted to do out of high school. Yeah, I had some I had a lot of technical experience uh, because I I had a uh, basically college course uh, computer uh, science class that I Mm -hmm. took in high school that that gave me a lot of the tools that I needed to to kind of excel and and stand out above the rest technically Mm -hmm. in the radio industry. Um, So once I once I got the job as a promotions guy, I I had my foot was in the door and I just kind of I rolled with it and made myself. Um, the invaluable like so that whatever I did I need I wanted to make sure that I was I was not disposable that they needed me to do this job and I it wasn't like I was stabbing people in the back to get where I needed to be I knew my place like I I knew that I had to earn my way up and that's one thing that my dad taught me at a really young age because he was a janitor at a at a forklift company when I was born and by the time I was in, in grade school, he was a regional sales manager for the company he was working for. Oh, wow. So, you yeah. know, I, I, I knew from early on that you work really hard to get what you want. Mm-hmm. You, it just doesn't get handed to you. So Yeah. Uh, point being, um, I, I didn't really have any, I didn't have to deal with corporate America. Yeah. Um, the most I did have to deal with it was when I was working for um, 98 Rock's parent company, Intercom, and that... Mm-hmm even that wasn't like totally corporate America it was still loose like the radio industry is such a such a relaxed kind of environment but it's very serious at the same time because there's a lot of money involved and there's a lot of of stuff involved with the marketing aspect of it but like I just it's hard to call it work Mm -hmm. because it's just so much fun everything that's involved with it I just consider fun and so it made it easy for me to just be like this is my life moving forward yeah
1: you had that vision of what
0: you wanted when I got the opportunity to work for the morning show, I I knew right then that this is this is going to be something big, and so I just kept going. I just kept going, and I think that if you have that faith in yourself that you no matter what happens that you'll pull through, and you, and and opportunities will always come about, mm-hmm. then you just got to make that jump. Yeah, and, and at Chris to the letter writer, I think that if. If you have a vision in mind and your wife is supporting you, like you say, and you're in an industry that you feel like is wasting your talents, then um, make that jump. Do yeah. do it because you won't ever find out unless you try. And I think that that's the biggest thing that I've taken away from my experience, at least, is that if you if you don't try, then you'll never know.
1: Yeah. And you will regret never, never knowing. That's like for me. That's why I moved to Dallas in the first place because i was like well this is my one time in my young life that i can move so i might as well try it out Mm -hmm. you know and i don't want to spend the rest of my life never knowing what it was like to live in you know anywhere else and so yeah then it didn't work out and you just fucking you just keep going and if you have a vision
0: he didn't say if he had any kids um but he did say that he had a a wife or a girlfriend that supported him so yeah just just work with her talk Mm -hmm. with her, and she's going to be your biggest uh teammate slash uh cheerleader and if you're nervous good use it to your advantage like that's that's the best fuel you can have Mm -hmm. if you're not nervous then there's something wrong with (laughs) you exactly and if if you like that's kind of the double-edged sword like if you're scared use the fear Mm -hmm. to to build up your confidence and i know it sounds easier said than done but man if you don't Face your fears and, and face the questions of what could be, then you'll never know.
1: Right. And you don't well, we don't get do over. I mean, well, we might get do over second <laughs> when we come back in our.
0: Yeah, but we, that, that's another discussion. But yeah. Reincarnation. Th- this,
1: yeah. But you, this, you know, this is your your life to live right now. You, and got you, one d- shot. you don't get to rewind and change
0: the, you know, change the direction you go. That's right. Best of luck to you, Chris. I hope that helped you out. All right. This one is from Kendra. She says that – oh, she says, hello, Brandon and Amanda. Hello, hello. hello, I binged all three episodes of the podcast and thoroughly enjoyed them. While listening to your uh, second episode, I got a bit excited when Brandon was saying he and Mrs. Brandon have guests in the bedroom. I think Brandon is very good looking. Well, thank you, Kendra. But my hopes were dashed when he mentioned she is strictly dickly. Yeah, I'm sorry. She only likes the dick. <clears throat> uh, we were talking about um, her first sex uh, lesbian experiences yesterday, in fact. And she was saying, you know, I, I had my fun and it was good, but I, I, that's it. Like, I don't need, it's not for me. Like, mm-hmm. she's she's had multiple experiences with women and she's just, she prefers penis over vagina. That's just her preference. But she hasn't ruled, totally ruled it out either because she said, you know, if it ever came about that there was a girl that I had a thing for and she had a thing for me that, yeah, why not? It would happen, but she's not, like, actively seeking it out. Yeah,
1: um, that can get. Tricky too with another girl. Well, I mean, I guess it could get tricky with a guy
0: too. I mean, just once, once you, once you add any additional people into a relationship or into a sexual situation, yeah, mm-hmm. there's going to be stuff like jealousy. There's going to be feelings involved, and if if it's not communicated at the beginning that this is just for sexual purposes, mm-hmm. or you know, this is what we're looking for if we want like a partner. Uh, in our relationship then that all all the stuff that needs to be communicated prior to inviting somebody else in your relationship should be discussed well and that's
1: what you guys have done a really good job with in your relationship is figuring that all out yeah. and talking about it, all it. it was
0: definitely a learning experience because we 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 dove in pretty uh into the deep end pretty quickly without those communication uh built like those communication skills built in Mm -hmm. so we learned from unfortunately some bad experiences but Mm -hmm. they are what made us who we are today and now we are like so much more secure in our relationship um so but kendra was saying oh well i guess fantasies will have to suffice love the both of you oh yes kendra sometimes fantasies are better left the way they are
1: Hey, but if you're cute, send me a picture. <laughs> Shit,
0: yeah, Amanda. She's she's openly pansexual. She no, loves the ladies. She do. won't she won't knock it if <laughs> if uh, she likes what she sees, and you know sends the pictures anyways because we all like to look at that. <laughs> all right, this one is from Candice. She Man. says, "I just binge listened to the Rad podcast and I love 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 it. Woo! I've been a huge fan. I'm not fat of the Rad <laughs> show since 2000. Well, thank you." And I must say, since the uh, since this recent addition to the Rad Show, it has allowed me and every other listener who's turned tuned into the podcast insight into the lives of Amanda and Brandon. That's the whole point. Yeah, we hear a much more abbreviated version of of, of what you guys do on the live show, or unless we were an official Maggot member, uh, she's referring to the fact that we don't, we don't really get to do this kind of thing or or dive deeper into our our personal lives on the regular show. It's too fast. It's too much going yeah. on. Um, she says, I enjoyed the laid back, easygoing flow of their exchange about their personal lives. And I couldn't help. Yes, I can. I'm not a monkey. But <laughs> but get seriously turned on as Amanda spoke of her pansexuality. Oh. And I found myself suddenly aching to kiss her. Oh. When Brandon mentioned being particularly tight in a certain area, he's <laughs> talking about my butthole. And then I can relate to his dilemma. I'm a petite girl myself. Hey, are you mm. calling me a petite girl? <laughs> I'm not a petite girl. It's just a tight ass. <laughs> How hot would it be to watch him and Mrs. Brandon get it on and I be a third party to their quote unquote sessions? Per- perhaps this is something we can make happen, Brandon. Eh? Um, anyway, I love you all. Brandon, Amanda, Don, and of course you, Rob. Christina is heart-stoppingly gorgeous, and please know that I've fantasized on numerous occasions about you, her and myself giving the Oreo cookie sandwich a whole new meaning. Oh, dang. Hello, Candace. Man, she's horny. Yeah. She just wants to fuck everybody on the show. <laughs> hey. and She didn't send any pictures either. Oh, uh, well. But, you know, hey, Amanda's open to the idea of maybe giving you a smooch <laughs> if she likes what she sees. Yeah, I would totally people. make out with a chick. Yeah, <sighs> Awesome. Maybe we could do that on the broadcast. <laughs>
1: What? No. People love it. No. Then then, no. You need to pay me more, and you don't even pay
0: me. (laughs) I don't even pay you. I don't even get paid. I don't know what we're even doing here. All right. This one is from Matt. It says, uh, "Hey, Brandon and Amanda. First off, the morning show is necessary for my sanity. It makes me crazy. (laughs) I love you all. Appreciate all that you have taught me, and love that I uh, always really have a lot to think about after listening to it." This broadcast has been a great addition. Now I have something awesome to listen to on my home from work too. on my way home from work too, uh, This question is for me. Brandon, I have heard you talk there uh, here and there about being a musician. I am well was a musician for half my life. I stopped playing in bands and teaching guitar due to having a son that I had to find a way to support. So I haven't played in years. But those were some of the best times of my life, being on Aww. stage and recording. I would love to hear the story of your music- musical life and hear some recordings if you have any. Thanks. Matt. Um, did, were you ever in band? You ever band? I was. I was in um
1: marching band for... Well, I played the trumpet since elementary school. Me, too.
0: Yeah. Oh, you did? Yeah. First chair, bitches. Whoa, whoa. All the way through high school.
1: Oh, I was not first chair all the way through oh, high school. Wow. I'm much better. <laughs> I was first chair in middle school, though. Ooh. And elementary school, too. But then by the time I got to high school... I was when in... you were rocking the hot cross buns. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't yeah. as good. Um, but I was in marching band and then I was also in choir and I was in, in a uh, guitar class. And music
0: has always been a part of your life. Too, it's
1: right? a huge part of my life. Yeah. My dad is a, is a musician. So did you ever play any bands? I tr- tried to in high school. We thought we had a little band going on, but it never so went, went anywhere. We did just, just jam. jammed. Yeah. yeah. On my, oh, and, in, in fact, on like my six sweet 16 birthday, we, I had a bunch of people over, um, To that house I had described to you before where there was, like, it was two flats and, like, everybody lived upstairs and my me and my brother lived downstairs. Mm -hmm. And so my Sweet 16, we had a party there and set up all the, you know, my dad being a musician, he doesn't care that we were playing, you know, punk rock music downstairs. And I thought it was so cool. Oh, yeah. Playing the bass and (laughs) all my friends were there. And then we watched Sid and Nancy and we were so punk rock. That's awesome. Yeah. But, um. But then I kind of don't. I don't remember a lot. I mean, we have a lot of we have guitars and uh, I have an acoustic bass at home and a mm. piano and all that all that kind of shit. Yeah. But I barely remember. I I remember the basics cool. that my that my dad taught me. We talked about
0: jamming. You and I like doing like open mic nights and stuff. Like, yeah. I think that would be really fun. Maybe maybe we can practice a song and do something on a broadcast. That would be kind of cool. Yeah, like but I think I
1: would thing. have to. I don't think I would be able to. Like me playing an instrument with you because you are such a great guitar player i would sound like a toddler
0: well i i you know we didn't we we could obviously play to our strengths like we could do like a duet singing a song and i'll play the backing guitar or or something yeah um but my i've always music has always been on my billhead. my dad was the trumpet player uh, your dad
1: was the trumpet player my dad
0: went to the i went to the same school uh, as my dad uh-huh. growing up, Georgetown Middle School and then Golden Sierra High up in Garden Valley, um, and he he had basically the same teachers that I did growing up. Mm-hmm. I kind of followed his footsteps. I don't know if it was because I was I had daddy issues and I was trying to prove myself to him or make or, him proud. Yeah, or, or I just thought, oh, this is cool. Like I could be if he was good at this, I could be good at this too. Mm-hmm. And it just stuck. So mm-hmm. I, I played the I played the trumpet, but once I got into band in in middle school. I quickly realized that I liked playing multiple instruments. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to just play one. So I I picked up the French horn. I picked up the... uh, baritone i basically stuck to brass instruments because mm-hmm. my my mouth was already used to that. Yeah. yeah and woodwinds was was such a foreign thing to me have you tried to ever <laughs> i tried playing the clarinet um and and saxophone and i just could not do it like i the reed thing just yeah. does not compute with my mouth so
1: same thing with me because so my because my dad is a musician um he had when growing up. We had like every instrument in our house, and I tried to pick up the saxophone yeah. and play it after I had been, you know, I knew how to play the trumpet. Mm-hmm. I tried to play the saxophone, and it was like just completely different type of a ball of wax.
0: Yeah, it, it's definitely different. It's, mm-hmm. it's totally different, and I. I, I knew that I wanted to do something in music growing up, and that was kind of like my backup plan was to be mm-hmm. a, a rock band. Ah, uh, yeah. So I asked for uh, my first Squire guitar when I was in oh, sixth Squire. grade, and it was, you know, blue electric guitar. I, I had it for so long up until just recently. When I had to finally get it, give it away. Oh, I know it sucks. But it was like one of those things that I just didn't want it anymore. And I wanted to kind of pass it on to somebody. It was, oh, okay. I was littered with stickers that didn't mean anything to me anymore. Yeah, And quite honestly, it just sounded like shit. Yeah. And so I, and I've I've invested so much money in equipment now that I just have so much so much better stuff. Yeah. And I'm not one to keep on to things like I've I've just thrown so much childhood stuff Oh, Away. Well, I mean, that, I mean, I guess that's good. I, I just, I, I don't know if it's because I, I'm lazy and I don't want to keep it around and keep up maintenance on, on little trinkets and things, mm-hmm. or if I just don't like clutter. Mostly, I don't like clutter, so yeah. I, I just like to kind of keep the things that are nice and that I still use. I, but there are certain things that I wish I kept and yeah, like, me it too. Held sentimental value, but yeah. I, just, I just gave it away. Um, so I got my first guitar in sixth grade and I learned how to play power chord. My dad taught me the power chord, which is like the universal yeah. uh, fingering <laughs> <laughs> for the guitar to uh, play basically any song. And he's like, okay, now I'll teach you these three riffs and you're basically all set. Now go turn on the ACDC album and then play along with it by ear. And I learned almost everything by ear and I self-taught guitar, never took any lessons. And I, I, like, I should take lessons just to Mm. kind of, you know, expand my, my repertoire. But over the years, I've definitely picked up new techniques and learned chords and all that stuff. Um, So I started a band, a punk rock band with a couple of my friends. And, And it was funny because my dad actually was the sit-in drummer until I could find a drummer <laughs> oh, so or, or find a friend to teach the drums yeah. so that we could finally have a drummer in the band. Uh-huh. So it was me and my buddy, uh, Bishop, and he played the bass guitar. I played the, the the regular electric guitar. And my dad uh, was the drummer <laughs> for so our cute. first talent show as the band <laughs> Counterclockwise. Oh! And uh we played our first, and it was an original song that I wrote. It was called Teenage Society. And you know, oh, yes. it was like teenage angst and like Perfect. What, what's what's wrong with the world? They just don't understand me because I'm a teenager. <laughs> and um, you know, my dad was up on stage seventh grade talent show. My dad being in like, you know, early 30s or whatever he was at the time and sitting up on stage playing with a couple of rat. Pimply kids. Mm-hmm. That was my debut, as in like a band, and then I finally found a guy to be my drummer, and I taught him how to play the drums, and he basically took it and ran from it from there. And I, so I was able to be like, okay, you know that one thing I showed you, okay, just keep doing that over and over again four <laughs> times, and then we'll switch it to this thing, you know. Yeah. Um, and we we kind of I, I always had grand visions for bands. Like I always I always thought, okay, I'm going to make the website. I'm going to you know send out our demos and at the time I was only rec- I was had like this tiny little microphone plugged into a four track uh cassette player mm-hmm. and we would record in my basement uh our songs and then I would send those cassettes into uh punk rock labels because we were we were heavily inspired by like blink 182 green day uh that 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 time pop punk was huge mm-hmm. so we were trying we were we were kind of in that fold uh, when we were, in, we were in that at that age so i made the website i made the demo tapes i made a street team mm-hmm. so that we would <laughs> plaster the street and i mean this is in a town where in my class in an eighth grade class the graduating uh collective only amounted up to like a hundred people oh gosh yeah so the town super small and does not does not give a shit about my little pop punk <laughs> does band. not care um but, we, you know, I treated it like I was a rock star.
1: But you weren't so far from Placerville. And I went to Ponderosa for the, my freshman and sophomore year. And my my friend, uh, Matt Farrow, he was in a punk band. And he would play at this place that we called The Attic in Placerville mm-hmm. on Main Street. I mean, you could have played a show there.
0: Yeah, we did end up kind of, as I got older and we branched out from the pop punk stuff mm-hmm. we, we went off and we did some like all acoustic bands and like mm-hmm. I, I had some friends and that we did we did more heavier music because yeah. at the as we grow, got older we found that like the hardcore music was what was selling at the local venues mm-hmm. so and that wasn't really my thing until uh, I got into my 20s was playing like the harder rock music mm-hmm. um so We just didn't really fit, and I I tried telling my my fellow bandmates, let's go to Placerville, let's go to Mm -hmm. Auburn, let's get some gigs there, and we would try, but we just didn't have enough following for us to do it and get our foot in the door, and we didn't, I guess we just didn't have the drive to to do it. Um, So we did the best we could in, in being a band up in Georgetown, and then after graduation, we we started doing the jam band like mm-hmm. we we got all the guys together and we we started a group called Teton Corporation. Oh. It was called that because the band gathered together at our buddy's house who lived on Teton Drive and because it Aww. was like a collective of guys that just kind of did whatever yeah. in this jam band we called it the Corporation Teton <laughs> That's Corporation. Cool. And I have one of the songs up here that I'll I'll play um, just to kind of give – because cause he requested to hear one of the songs. Yeah. I wish I had older stuff to share today yeah. because my voice was a lot higher, and it was, like, totally, like, whiny, teeny, angsty, <laughs> like, hee-haw, hee-haw, teenage Like, it was just very – very pop punky. And, yeah. Uh, it was kind of embarrassing listening back, but a lot of people liked it, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Uh, but this was just kind of a jam that we did that kind of turned into a song from Collect uh, from the Teton Corporation. Let me pull it up here. Sorry. Well, it's okay. More prepared for this.
1: Hey, you do what you got to do.
0: Oh, sweet! So a little Primus. Yeah, video. I like it. We like Primus and Tool. And there's no singing in this because the singer of this particular group was garbage. Oh, So I just don't listen to the. I, I, I saved all of the tracks that was just uh, instrumental. Base plays a little behind.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say it's starting to fall apart a little bit. <laughs> oh, there you are. There it is.
0: Now, this is the drummer I taught how to play drums. It's pretty good. <laughs> So the lead singer would always sing through a megaphone because he couldn't sing. So yeah. it was like that effect that he was going for. He's not really singing. No, no, no. There's more spoken word. Very Henry Henry Rollins. Yeah, but not, but not. Yeah. Well, that was kind of lame.
1: Yeah. Well, oh no, that's cool to listen to. It. It's funny though. You said. Um, you know, your dad showed you how to play the power chords or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I had a very similar experience. My my dad gave my sister his guitar and you know, let her use it. And um I we found a hollow body bass for me. And so he taught us, you know, the simple chords and taught me uh oh, what do they call that? A five three five or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um so he taught me that and then he taught us the uh what is that song? California Dreaming. California Dreamin'. <laughs> like, na, 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 yeah, exactly. Na, 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 na. So he taught us that song nice. so that we could jam together. So then we would play together in our bedrooms or whatever. And then I listened to. um at the time I was really into Sublime. So um I oh, taught yeah. I taught myself the bass lines to Sublime uh by listening just listening to their tapes over and over and over again and playing along That's- and like just trying to figure out what notes they were playing cuz i didn't know I didn't really know, you know, the notes or mm-hmm. anything. I just knew the, the finger chords. placement for the bass. Yeah. Um. The where my sister, she kind of more excelled in the guitar and music in general. I mean, she's just a lot smarter than I am. And um, she she went on to actually be in a band and in Tulsa when her girl band won. Uh, The battle of the bands and they got like recording time and all that stuff and actually have a cd and and all that shit so but i didn't get that i i i I could play along with people but because it was all by ear um it it was i would fuck up a lot and then um so at Ponderosa High School, where I went for two years, there was the most—I'm sure he's probably dead now because he smoked like a chimney. But Mr. Fulmer was the um, band teacher, so he did marching band and jazz band. I think we had a jazz band. Um, but he also taught guitar, and guitar was, like, where all the cool guys were. Oh, so of course. Of course, I all wanted to— the next to, Eddie Van Halen. Yeah, and then mm. that's where I wanted to be because I wanted to hang out with the hot dudes. Right. And I knew kind of how to play the bass, so I started— taking the guitar class with Mr. Fulmer but it was difficult for me because I already knew since you know elementary school how to play uh, read music on a on a treble clef mm-hmm. you know and it, so and a bass clef I had no fucking idea it was Foreign it, language it was you, so, all you
0: know is treble clef
1: yeah so it was really really difficult for me to I, I don't even think that, that class ended up just being such a, oh, okay, you can do this, whatever. You yeah. <laughs> didn't care. And then a lot of times we would just jam out and it was fun. Nice. But yeah, and then I just started working and never really, I, every once in a while I'll try and pick it up and like see if I can remember how to play a song. And I know some basic chords on the guitar for the Beatles, but mm-hmm. that's
0: that's. And it. see, that's that's the thing. Going back to the the email, um, life gets in the way. Mm-hmm. And those glory days of jamming out and recording and playing shows, I miss that so fucking much. Like, yeah. my favorite part about being in a band was for uh, first on top, like, the best thing about it was gigging and, and playing live. Like, I, there's something about it that gives me such a rush. Oh, I'm sure. I, I it's lo- adrenaline. I love performing. I love being on stage. I, it's not necessarily about the, the attention. Mm-hmm. It's more of creating... The, the music that that touches people and and gets, gets that reaction. yeah, you know? well, for sure. and but to feel it live is beyond uh, words. I can't even describe how good it feels to do that. And then second, recording, because again, the creative process of of going track by track, recording it and then coming up with new ideas trying to think of different layers mm-hmm. and the whole writing process is super fun but life gets in the way you yeah know? like the letter writer said he had a kid and you had to get a job and it's kind of like what i had to do or that's kind of what happened to me um after high school i got more busy with the with the job and there's it comes a point where you have to pick a career or you know you have to pick your focus mm-hmm. and if it's your career um then the the, the music kind of Quickly turns into a hobby which quickly turns into a hobby that you don't visit as much yeah Um, and that's kind of what happened to me um just up until the last couple of years where i i had a falling out with my my drummer friend Uh and it was just he and i because everybody else that we played music with had other things going on and it just became harder to uh, connect schedules Mm -hmm. um and everybody had different adulting yeah different life directions and it, it happens and i think that to rule out the uh, the possibility that you can be successful in music um because life got in the way and you're getting too old it's a bunch of bullshit because oh, yeah. you can you can become famous for if that's your goal if you want to become famous you can do that at any point in your life
1: well and the other thing is is if you just want to be a mu- musician you can be a musician my dad gigs all the time as a mu- musician but he's yeah. not famous Right? he just wants to play music or he'll he'll do um like the community theater yeah. plays you know when they need a piano player there you go. he just wants to play music so yeah that i think you have to like do you want to be a working musician because that's a way different life than like a rock star
0: definitely and i think that's kind of like what what the letter writer and myself might have felt like we mm-hmm. okay so we want to be we want to be musicians full time but that's just not going to happen so mm-hmm. we have to compromise okay we can only make so much time for this so if mm-hmm. i'm just going to be playing music and all i have to choose from is this cover band Mm -hmm. Then you're going to do that just to play music. That's a,
1: that you're, so you're speaking to a child of a man that did that. Like he, you know, he, my dad would do little cover bands and stuff or play at brunches or whatever. When we were growing up and fucking gig at the house and we couldn't hear anything. Yeah. And, um, But then he had three kids to raise, you know, so he would have to work. He worked in like electronics or something. Can't remember what he did.
0: So until you become rich and famous and you can (laughs) actually play music to put food on the table, which is nearly impossible to do these days. Yeah. Um, then you just gotta do what you can and have fun with it and yeah, I do it
1: for the passion of, and just the yeah. love of creating music and
0: it's so affordable now to get recording equipment at your home and, mm-hmm. and it's, it's garageband is easy yeah. garageband on Mac uh, is has made it so easy to make really high quality studio sounds and stuff mm-hmm. and um, you know the last group I was in was two members and we recorded this this cover of immigrant song okay just just for the fun of it Play a little bit. I played the bass and the guitar on this, like, tracked it three times. So, you just had the pedal, or you had a pedal that you. I did separate tracks. Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: Oh, you can definitely tell the difference in like maturity
0: from the other. We're a little bit more together. Yeah, (laughs) but it's only two people. It's a lot easier to keep your. Oh yeah, that's awesome.
1: So, I had a little bit of a free will in time when in like when I was around 25, and my brother was a drunk hobo. So I would like hang out with him a lot, and he just sent me a recording not too long ago. It is the drunkest fucking thing. But he is my little brother. Is an- of you
0: like you performing on this recording?
1: Yeah, oh. <laughs> I'll have to find it. It's in yeah. my email. But it's just we were at like a flop house, basically mm-hmm. above the piece, pizza place in Auburn, and um just fucking drunk and probably uh, on drugs and whatever, who knows what, it, and we were, um, he, my, my brother wrote a song and I can't remember the name of it, but it's really, my brother is a fantastic singer and he can play the harmonica too. Oh, nice.
0: And so, well, he's a hobo. He has to like, isn't that part <laughs> of your like job part, description? Yeah. You
1: had, that has to be in there. <laughs> um, so yeah, my dad taught him to play the harmonica. And so it's his song that we're singing and I'm playing bass, but you can like you we recorded it literally on like a karaoke machine it's yep. just fucking so you got. shitty and uh we were so drunk and you can just hear it it, it was it, it brought me back to that time though listening to the recording i'm like oh we had fun mm-hmm. we used to sit on the railroad tracks and drink wine oh, yeah. and then jam out at the flop house
0: and that i do like to visit those recordings uh every once in a while because those were some of the best times and the letter writer's right like there's something to be said about getting a bunch of people together and just feeling it out and and having fun and playing music and creating things together um so my my advice to the letter writer is don't don't quit no if you still have your gear pull it out every once in a while when you can and uh, you know if you don't have anybody to play with one thing that I do, especially to, to to keep up on my chops, because if I quit playing for a couple of weeks, I will get so rusty. And so, in order for me to work back up, I'll use like YouTube. Yeah, um, there are jamming tracks that you can play to. So if you're like, if there's a specific type of genre that you're, that you're going for, like if you want to jam out to a Jimi Hendrix style song, then you you Google, you, you search on YouTube "Jimi Hendrix style jamming track," and mm-hmm. it'll come up with so many different uh, options. That will literally just be instrumentals that you can just jam out to and along with.
1: Yeah, there is, um My stepson, he's been learning to play guitar for the last couple of years, and he does whole things on YouTube. They teach you how to do everything, depending yeah. on what song it is that you
0: want to learn. Tutorials. Yeah. I mean, you can learn. You can learn anything on YouTube anymore. I, that, that there's no excuses for you if you want to learn how to play guitar or get better or whatever instrument you're doing, there are so many things, so many tutorials. Like, I just, I got a ukulele up at, uh, out in Hawaii when I went, um Jesus, was that two years ago now? Almost two years ago? Well, you went last year. Well, yeah, but it, the time before that, yeah, almost two years. Oh, shit. Um, I, I picked up a ukulele, and I didn't know anything about it, but mm-hmm. I pulled up YouTube, and I instantly learned three songs in I, one day.
1: Yeah, I... Super easy. So... I don't know how to play the ukulele, but I do know how to tune it because my my dad taught me how to tune it. And we have a ukulele in the house for the kids. Mm-hmm. And um, so you go, my dog has fleas. And that's you. I haven't heard that
0: one yet. Yeah. That, but when I went and picked up the ukulele, there was a very smart uh, Hawaiian woman who knew mm-hmm. everything about you. Know, she was just a superstar on the ukulele. Uh-huh. And she gave me the, the paper with the tuning chart and all the chords and you know the tabs and everything. Mm-hmm. And she said, "This is the tip to tune your guitar. Um, good children eat apples because those are the notes of the strings. Oh, good children G C E A. So that's how you figure out on the tuner which which notes you need to hit on those ones. So I haven't heard that one though.
1: Well, it's because my dad taught me how to tune the ukulele by ear.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that that totally makes my dog has please. Yeah, good children eat apples. So <laughs> I, I mean, I, I'd love I'd love to." To um, play more music and play with more people and get together a band. Like, I've, I've threatened to jam with uh, our security guy, Pat. You know, the big what guy. instrument does he play? He plays he play? drums. He does? Yeah. Apparently, I've seen his set. Like, he sent me pictures of his drum set and it's massive. So Holy it, it looks shit. like it looked based on appearance. And based on his size, like, he could probably wail pretty well on those drives. Oh, I'm and sure. I know he's a really big fan of... Um, really big fan. Really big fan of... Uh, what's his name? Uh, the Red Rocker. Uh, I can't drive 55! Oh, who what's is his that? name? I don't know. God damn it. I, I know to... the song. Oh, Stee- uh, Stee- Stee- not Steely Dan. I can't drive 55. It's on the fucking tip of my tongue. Thank you, Sammy Hagar. Okay, <laughs> he goes down to Cabo every year. Uh, yeah, and he, and he and he knows all the guys in the band. Um, so I know that he's a rocker, and uh, so I'm, I'm still. So, I did not
1: know that about our security chief. Yeah.
0: So someday, you never know, we might have a rad jam band. Like, with all the members of, like, some members all affiliated with the Rad Show, all in a band. Yeah. I think that would be cool. (laughs) Uh, So, I'm still threatening to do that. Because I
1: feel like engineer Bob probably knows how to play an instrument.
0: No, he'll just be the technician. He'll be the guy on the on the mixing board. Dad our, uh,
1: Rob's dad knows how has to know how to play something, right?
0: Yeah, but even more I think he's more of a classical musician. Oh. I guess if if a song called for some strings <laughs> or a you know, harp or yeah, some some woodwinds, then maybe. <laughs> All right. Uh in the same kind of vein here, there's another question for me from John. Um, he says, hey there. One thing from the Rad Show I've always been impressed by is Brandon's ability to create sounders and music blurbs for almost any scenario in need. I had a few questions about this. Where did you learn this skill? Also, what programs and resources do you tend to use? The most recent Rob Was Right song. Uh, it's one that goes, Rob, Rob Was Right. right. Yep. Uh, song was so simple, and yet the vocals were blended perfectly. I have, pract- I have practiced using uh, programs such as FL Studios and Adobe Audition, creating small songs with my keyboard and a little vocals. Nothing comes close to the level that uh, Brandon has displayed multiple times, however. It's uh, something that I've wanted to expand into and record more often for YouTube than simple piano songs. Uh, he says, thank you for all the input, and I love you, Amanda.
1: Oh, well, thanks for including me in there. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, his name is John J. I, I, I messed that up. Sorry, because oh. he says, P.S., my first name is, in fact, John J. Strange, I'm aware. Very strange. <laughs> um, so the music blurbs and uh, little sounders most of the time come from Rob saying, hey, I need a Rob who's right sounder, go. And so that leaves me with, okay, i got to figure out what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. And it always starts with me finding, like, the a musical basis like i i need a foundation to start it with mm-hmm. sometimes like the rob was right thing i knew i was just gonna say rob was right so i knew that i was thinking okay i, I just need a small sound clip of of music to kind of help me sing it mm-hmm. outright and, it, and i came up with the idea of using a fanfare so i googled fanfares trumpet fanfares royal entry fanfares, mm-hmm. and it, it ultimately came up with the uh the rob was white right sounder let me pull it up real quick so uh, um pull it up here do, 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 do. so this is what ultimately came came about when i did it and it, it just starts with the music bed and then i layer the vocals over it it's <laughs> Yeah, so I I will just record one vocal, Rob was right, and then I'd record another vocal, Rob was right, and then I'd record another vocal in a different harmony, mm-hmm. and then I just layer them on top of each other, so it sounds like um, there's multiple people, in like a multiple chorus type of thing, um, and that's basically how I do it. But I use I use Adobe Audition to do most of my uh, production work. Um, I use various other. Programs to maybe capture or record, but for the most part, I use an Audition to um, to 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 mash it all together. Um, in fact, I'm going to kind of deconstruct one of the theme songs that we have, oh. um, the Clucking Hens. Oh motherfucker! I know you don't like it, but it, it's going to be kind of fun to listen to. Because... Well, I know you put like a lot of vocal, different vocal tracks of you um, clucking in there. There's only three different clucking tracks, <laughs> um, but I'll 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 play like just so I when I was coming up with it i I knew i was going to need a music bed to sing the the clucking chickens over it um i don't remember how this came about i don't know if rob said i need clucking chickens i think i just made this as a as a as a sounder because we were inspired by my clucking and Uh it just it just came from there so i found this cool song as you know now and then i just recorded a cluck So there's a background clock there, and then i recorded another clock, and then I recorded another clock, and then another clock. You
1: know what this reminds me of? I don't know that if this is going to be... I don't know if you are at the right age to remember this type of thing, but my, and my dad was weird and made us watch a whole bunch of old movies all the time, but um, there was a thing that he had us watch... And it was um, the Disney vocal actors yeah. with the with the band and stuff, yeah. and so you'd see the lady doing the chicken and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. that reminds
0: me of that almost exactly. Yeah, it's it's cool. There are a lot of videos where they, like, have uh, artists performing songs live and they'll say, okay, uh, isolated vocals. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so you can hear, like, how terrible or how amazing the vocals were on that one live performance. There's one in particular that I heard of Courtney Love where they isolated just her vocals and her guitar. And without that band, she... She sounds like absolute garbage. Oh, She's yeah. a garbage piece of shit human being as it is, yeah. allegedly, but yeah, um, right. but she like she she could barely keep a tune. She was barely strumming a guitar, and if it weren't for that band backing her up, they would sound like well, absolute garbage. And if it
1: wasn't for the people that she was fucking, she wouldn't have the lyrics that she did. <laughs> uh, for fuck example. her. I mean allegedly. Yeah. But, um so I, I'm but, not going to Uh, The one isolated vocals that is amazing that I'm sure you've heard before is the um, Freddie Mercury and David Bowie.
0: Yes, that that is one of those those ones that are really amazing. And they actually have another one with Freddie Mercury um, isolated vocals from their live eight performance, which is like one of their most heralded performances before he passed away. Mm -hmm. That massive crowd that they played in front of and. It's one of those things that uh, just—it's just fucking amazing. I, I, <laughs> it I, Makes, I, I makes your oh, gives hair me stand up
1: and gives me chills. Yeah, yeah. For sure.
0: Um, so I'm not going to give away all my uh, secrets, John Jay, but you know, <laughs> I, I really do have to attribute the quality of the studio that Rob has given us here um, to to the high quality production work that I can do. Because without the equipment, there's not much that that you know that I could do. But most of the creativity just kind of comes off comes off the fly or is is based on like a, a a command from rob saying i need this for this go
1: yeah and, and, then you, and then you have to find music that's like uh for free use yeah music
0: and that's fun that's fun for me to to, to go on that hunt yeah and because because uh, it's all part of that creative process of going okay well i like the song but how am i going to sing along to it mm-hmm. and you know the drinking with the maggot song i use the uh the uh music track from um uh, titanic Mm -hmm. like with the bagpipes and stuff yeah like i felt like that was just such an easy thing to to ride around and uh turned out really well it's one of our our more popular sounders
1: i like the um the ren and stimpy music i can't remember what you use that for though
0: um most of the ren and stimpy production music i use for um commercial filler oh so but that's that nostalgia that I like. Yeah. I, I love that that type of old-timey music that's borderline like looney tunes but go, ventures into our generation. Yeah. Like even SpongeBob uses a ton of that classic um old-timey poppy band type of uh
1: yeah music you know i <laughs> it's just, I it's just a good
0: feeling like nostalgia my
1: my son watches a lot of
0: spongebob and there was one time where i'm like
1: hey i fucking know that song from the show yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. like it, we'll we'll get messages a lot uh from people saying hey i i heard the red and stimpy song or you know spongebob song and it totally made me think of the show because yeah. I mean we all kinda of pull we pull from the same pool of production music. Yeah. And fortunately the Ren and Stimpy music is just one of those so so it's just so perfect. Yeah. For the, especially for this platform and this show. Um to not be taking things so seriously and, and it's also just kind of joyous music. So it just makes me feel good. Um, well shit, man. I think we killed enough time today. Is that um, it? I think we're good. I, I have one more email, but I think I'm gonna save it for next time because it talks okay. about guests and, and other podcasts and stuff. Okay. So um maybe next time we'll have a have a special guest on and yeah, we'll yeah. we will keep that a secret until next time. Mm-hmm. Um so until next time, fuckers. Yeah, bye. The Rad.